Becoming a parent is such a stressor on a couple. It impacts intimacy. It brings forward our own childhood experiences, the different parenting approaches and our own family, extended family, family systems, right? Like how boundaries are going to be, you know, navigated. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. This episode is all about the things that no one told you would happen in your relationship after having a baby. And this is what very few people are talking about. As a mother, a wife, and a clinician, it continues to strike me just how much we aren't willing to openly share about what happens in our relationships once a child joins our family. The resentment, the anger, the feelings of disconnection, and I knew I needed to bring in my friend and colleague, Dr. Cassidy, to have this conversation. Dr. Cassidy is a San Diego-based mom to three and a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in supporting California millennial parents through pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. She hosts the top-rated parenting podcast, Holding Space, and shares relatable reels and doses of joy with the funniest TikToks every Friday on Instagram. You have to check her out on Friday. Her handle is at Dr. Cassidy. I am always laughing at the TikToks that she shares. Let's go into today's conversation. Dr. Cassidy, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm so excited to get the chance to sit with you. Oh, I'm so excited. I would sit with you and talk about anything, my friend Tracy. So like any chance I get, and I I love the topic we're going to be exploring today. I know both you and I definitely share a passion for this work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting you and I have sat together before on Instagram lives on your podcast, <laughs> and I'm thrilled that you are returning the tables this time and you're sitting with me on my podcast. So thank you. So okay. thank you. I love the question, not, not tell us who you are, but instead I'll do the bio, the intro and the bio is there, but instead <laughs> tell us three things that make you, you. Mm. Okay. Oh, (laughs) like, wait, three things that make me me. Well, I think that I am first fully human and just like always wanting to go into any conversation and role and system, like really embracing my like whole humanity and my humanness. And that means that I'm, you know, I've got my perfectionist parts and I've got my triggers and I've got my own history. Um, I also have my silly parts and I would share, I would say that shared laughter is my love language. Um, I love to dance like no one's watching where I just like lose myself in the music. And it's one of the ways that I think me and my kids 
at least when they're younger, I think my tween probably now looks at me like I am crazy, but it's one of the ways in which I connect with them. Um, and I used to be an ice skater and a dancer. So it's just like a way of reconnecting with those parts of myself mm-hmm. too. So I'm messy. I can be funny. I can let loose. I can also be really serious. Um, and I think that my my serious side comes through in the work that I do as a therapist, but all my other sides come through there too. But I really, I really do love to hold space for people in the hard stuff and the messy stuff, infusing other parts of me too in there, right? The humor and um the messiness and the imperfections and all of that. And so, I mean, I feel like I didn't say three things specifically, but I like to break the rules too sometimes. So I think I, I think that that's where I'll land is like, I'm I'm wholly human. And like, there's a bunch of parts of me that infuse in there, right? Like I'm a mom, I'm a therapist, Mm. like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm human. (laughs) And for people who don't know, Dr. Cassidy has this amazing podcast where you show up as human so much. And I actually remember finding your podcast before releasing my own and (laughs) listening to your stories and thinking, okay, here's this therapist. She's in California. She's doing this thing. She's showing up Mm -hmm. as human. And what a huge shift that we could be doing in our field by we're not engaging in a therapeutic relationship. What we're doing here is much different than what we do in our office. And I mean, not taking out the being human part, but in the sense of sharing our stories Mm. and how powerful it can be for people to heal by hearing stories. Yeah. Yeah. So when I thought of, well, where is our like zone of genius together and what would be the conversation that we need to have right now? And I think of the collaborations we've done before, but I think really what shows up for me is just how often we both see couples. Mm-hmm. And we both work with mothers and just how often people come into our, our rooms, come into our communities or our therapy rooms and say, you know, gosh, our relationship is just not where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. We're struggling. Um, we feel so far apart. And it's just such a common experience for mothers and couples to have this. And so I thought, let's just anchor ourselves in that. What is it that you see happening in our relationships? after having a baby. You know, I, I will, I will definitely say that over a decade ago, uh, when I had, when we had our first, it was, you know, I talk a lot about the like behind closed door messy side of becoming a parent and motherhood. And I think that the partner relationship aspect was like one of the messiest, you know, Mm. like, because it's just becoming a parent is, it could be so triggering because there's, you know, our own childhood experiences, the luggage or baggage, whatever you want to call it, that we bring Mm -hmm. into a relationship. You know, it's when you have the like sleep and the space and the time to, you know, regulate ourselves, find times to connect. Right. Um, But also like, not having like literally a, a walking, well, not maybe not walking quite yet, but like a representation of like all these things that might be triggering mm-hmm. right in front of you that you're trying to like, um, you know, manage together. It's, it's kind of easier to like move through life. Like maybe yeah. still feeling connected, you know? Um, and, and also sometimes not 
talking about some of the harder stuff. And when you think, when I think about the prep that went into birth and postpartum for my husband and I with our first, you know, we went to the birth classes. Uh, we went to a baby CPR class, infant CPR. I went to like a breastfeeding support group just to kind of like get the lay of the land and see mm. babies and mama's latch. And, you know, and oh, we prepared nothing for our relationship. And I was a therapist at the time, you know, it was a beginning baby therapist, but like I was a therapist at the time. And I was just like, this will be fine. You know, like, um, like it's this so, so normalizing Cassie when you say that, because here I am, same thing, couples therapist, you know, knowing all the things and we did the birth course. We prepared the nursery and who we wanted to visit us in the hospital, but we didn't talk about our roles or how we were going to navigate, you know, yeah. postpartum mental health or, you know, how we would handle the mental load, which wasn't even a term that neither one of us had heard right. after having my first. None of that prep was there for us in our relationship. So I, I think even just being able to sit here and say, look, here we are two therapists and we didn't have that opportunity to prepare our relationship. <laughs> no. no, I think I was, you know, my husband and I have been together since we were in high school and i fell in love with him very quickly. And, you know, I mean, we were together a long time. We would break up here and there, but we always came back together. And I knew from a fairly early season of my life that this was the person that I wanted to spend my life with and like mm. become a parent with. And I was just so excited for the good stuff. And I think the good stuff was there, right? And we don't necessarily have to like prepare for that because those good moments will will be there. The mo like mm -hmm. I, there's, I still have a very vivid memory of him. We were, it's like in the middle of the night after she was born in the hospital, and he took his shirt off and he was holding her to his chest, and like he looked over at me and he was like, "Are we always going to be this happy?" And I just mm -hmm. like remember like that is just one of those juicy feel good memories, right? Like that I hope I, you know, at the end of my life can like be like, oh my gosh, like I lived and we had that moment and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think I was so just really focused on the, this is going to bring us closer. And, and what I don't think I named is that there was a lot of fear going into motherhood. Uh, but I, it didn't fit with like the identity as a mom that I wanted to others to see. Right. And that yeah. I wanted to like portray and like, and live was it, was this identity like, Oh, she was always meant to be a mom and like, Oh, they're high school sweethearts and they're finally going to have a baby together. And I like, and underneath all of that was someone who was really, really scared. Mm -hmm. I was really scared. I really wanted to be, have the birth, the perfect birth, the, I wanted to breastfeed. I wanted to, you know, be the perfect mom because if I was perfect, then that's how I would keep myself and my baby and my marriage safe. 
Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality but the best part is that if you're worried about commitment enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35 percent off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth and so i went into you know postpartum with these very like unrealistic expectations, as well as this kind of like avoidance of the hard stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because that didn't fit what I envisioned motherhood and the good mom was supposed to look like and the good marriage. And then can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Authentically, there's an E beside it and I don't think people cuss enough. Okay, so just mark it explicit because then, fuck, we had the baby and shit hit the fan. Like literally, mm-hmm. like, like one of like just one of the moments that like is also <laughs> forever going to be a, a juicy memory in my mind is I was struggling with postpartum with with PPA with postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a name for that because I was really ashamed of some of the thoughts that I was having. 
intrusive thoughts. And, um, my husband was experiencing postpartum depression, which we didn't know was even a thing at that time. Right. And my anxiety kept me up and wired. His depression led him to feeling exhausted. Like very, I mean, I was exhausted, but he was like sleeping all the time. Mm-hmm. And so in the middle of the night with all the wakings, wired, anxious mommy here was up. And I still remember I was changing uh, my daughter's diaper. She was a newborn. She had one of those like explosive projectile poops that just went everywhere, all over this perfect nursery that we had like designed to the nines, right? Like all over the white little ruffly curtains. It was, yeah. it was literally everywhere. <laughs> I remember him walking in. And at this point, like I was, there was already so much resentment mm-hmm. and he walks in, he's like, you know, rubbing the crusties out of his eyes. I remember just being like, you <laughs> piece of, yeah. and he comes in and he's like, what did you do to her? And I lost it. Like it was such an ugly moment, right? Mm. One of these behind closed doors, ugly moments, awful things were said like to each other. And there's these, these two people, right. Whom deep down love each other very much, Mm -hmm. but are on these like little islands, me, the island of, you know, uh, postpartum anxiety and him on the island of postpartum depression. And like, we can't, we can't reach each other. Like we, there was no like generous interpretation of what each other was going through. It was isolation and resentment and loneliness, eh? Like in, in that sense of, because we're on these islands, like the island just symbolizes the sense of being alone feeling yeah. lonely. Yeah. Um, and that sense of, you know, I don't know about for you, but in some ways I, I relate to your story casting in the sense of like having this upholding, I've got this, I can hold all this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to keep telling myself, I can hold this all together. There's no way I'm showing to others that I'm yeah. crumbling inside. Right. And that vulner, that loss of vulnerability doesn't bring our islands together. No, no, there was, you know, I think what I did was I, I armored up, right. With different defense mechanisms. Um, and that was, I think that the marriage piece, like I, well, you know, I eventually, eventually we both got help, um, wait, but took way too long. Right. But we eventually both went to individual therapy and couples therapy but I think that the relationship piece, like I, I got, I was able to talk about my intrusive thoughts and my anxiety, um, a lot more, I, I, those, those wounds turned to scars and in a way in which I was able to talk about them a lot more quickly. And by quickly, I mean, it still took a couple of years there, but to really heal, but it, it took a lot longer for me to really talk about the marriage piece and the relationship piece. Um, because I just think yeah, I'm a marriage therapist. There's a ton of shame there mm. around that. Um, and it shame has this really slippery slope of leading us to feel like there's something just deeply wrong with me and like, I don't want anyone to see this. And so mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep that hidden behind these closed doors. And it took him and I a, a, year, a really long time to get to a place of feeling connected again. And like we were on the same team 
And I know for a fact that I'm not, that we're not alone in that. Yeah. And I see it in my work every week. Mm-hmm. You know, every, every conversation, I mean, becoming a parent is such a stressor on a couple. It impacts so much. It impacts intimacy. It brings forward, you know, our own childhood experiences, the different, different parenting approaches and our own, you know, our own, our, our family, our family, extended family, family systems, right? Like how boundaries are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, navigated. Um, uh, I think I mentioned intimacy. It, it impacts, you know, our identities. It's, it's so much. And I, I really, I really found that beginning to open up about the struggles you could just see in other people, like their eyes get wide, like we're not alone. Right. And like, yeah. that's what vulnerability allows, like both in the couple and in us talking about these things about couples, right? Like vulnerability is the, the door that opens us up to connection, to getting support, to putting down our defenses so we can get support or, or have a a conversation with each other and connect again. So yeah, it's a lot. I I think there's um, this important piece in here of acknowledging that, you know, you and I know, we know what to do as an objective outsider. We can sit across from a mother or from a couple and talk about the things to do, uh, the strategies, the skills, the tools, processing the luggage from before And I think it's completely different than actually being in it and doing. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned the shame that comes with that. It is such a real experience. Um, And I I want to normalize that for people listening because when you and I are sitting here and we're connected, we're regulated, we're not in this state of stress, we know. And so I like to use the phrase text bombing. I was really good at text bombing, Greg, <laughs> and sending angry texts when he was at work and oh just gosh, yeah. so helpless and confused and lost and tired and all of that and resentful that he was at work having a warm cup of coffee and I mm. was just hanging by a thread. Um, in those moments when I'm not regulated, when I've just completely gone offline, you know, I can remember my son wouldn't latch before nap time. I would be walking the halls with my breasts hanging out, trying to get him to latch desperately and, you know, and then just text bombing. Like, I know that's not the thing to do in your relationship. I know that doesn't bring us closer, but it was just this valve that had to release and I had nowhere else to put it. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard. And you, you mentioned this myth and I, I surveyed the community before sitting with you because I know we have so many of these myths or fantasies or wishes going into this period about what will happen in our relationship. And you, I'm so glad that you said it and you said that we would feel closer and more complete. Yeah. And that was the biggest one that showed up that having a baby moving into this next season in our relationship, we're going to feel closer and the stories that you, like the, your experience, my experience, the stories that we hear, it's not, it, it's just not that. 
No, that exactly. It's just not. It's just not. It's just not that. Like, and, and you know, your 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 moment, that moment of having your your daughter on your husband's chest as you were sharing it. I'm like, yeah, I have that moment. I can call it to mind. And of course, those glimmers, right? These beautiful moments of connection, mm-hmm. or I have these moments of us all laying on the bed, taking pictures and laughing. Right, all mm-hmm. three of us, and. They're there, they're glimmers, but then, you know, did we feel closer all the time? No. Did we feel more complete? My goodness, no, we were battling with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's there's so much like that I think is important to bring into like understanding why, right? Like the impact that sleep deprivation just has on our functioning, our ability to communicate, to regulate, right? You know, the impact that having a baby and um, breastfeeding or navigating, you know, the feeding journey can have on 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 both individuals. Um, but when we look at the impact that birth and breastfeeding has and hormones have on the birthing partner mm-hmm. and their libido and their body and their relationship with their body. And when you look at the identity shifts and just the change in like space, margins, uh, freedom, spontaneity, flexibility, right? Like navigating all of a sudden now there's, now they're not just in-laws, but like now they're grandparents and like the intensity that that can bring to decisions around where we spend the holidays and boundaries and and how you know, good each partner is at holding those boundaries, yeah. sharing them and expressing desires and wishes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. There's this piece here also around the transactional and it it even shows up today now that we're several years after the the one-year postpartum mark, which is, do you know where the splash pants are? Do you have the snow pants? What's the weather today? Did you pack the lunch? Oh, it's not lunch day. It's pizza day. Okay, good. Well, we made mm. lunch anyways, but and are you picking up the kids or am I? Mm-hmm. And it 
it's hard in these early years to get that intentional time Mm -hmm. of connection when, and again, you've already highlighted this, Cassie, in the sense of you're sleep deprived, hormones are all over the place. You're trying to figure out this new relationship and your own identity mixed in with guilt, shame, rage, anxiety. And then, and then it's just, it's a lot, right? It's so much. It's so much. And so, you know, I think, so then I'm thinking of a listener and they're like, okay, like this, this is helpful. This is important because now we first need to feel not alone, right? Like first we need to like address the like aloneness and those feelings and those experiences to then um, actually have the space capacity to take a step to do something different. We have to first feel like this isn't just like a, there's just something deeply wrong with me and us problem. Like this is, there's a name for it. Others experience this, right? Like, and so then the follow-up to that is like, so then what can we do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that obviously the listener may be in a variety of different stages, right? Like maybe the listener is in the trying to conceive or, um, you know, preparing for a child to enter Mm -hmm. um, the family season, or maybe they are in the trenches in the depths of, you know, that first year, or maybe they're, you know, in more of the toddler years, early years of parenting or beyond, Um, Because those become, those years bring their own challenges of all of a sudden, like navigating, like, how do we discipline? What are our philosophies? How do we get on the same page with everything from, you know, screen time to meal time to like... Navigating bedtime (laughs) and bath time. Yeah. All of it. How do we navigate figuring out how we're going to share the load of having a family and having a home together? Um... And it's, I think that it's, I think it's, I really want the listener to hear me say this right now, that like, it is never too late to have some of these really important conversations. Ideally, I wish that my, that my husband and I had these really important conversations before our baby was here, that we went to couples therapy before we became parents, like not because we were on the brink of divorce, but because like we had the space and capacity and, and it was, it would, it would have been really protective and proactive of us to do that. And so if you are, you know, in the trying to conceive or planning to grow your family season of life, like talk to your partner about, you know, Hey, I want us to like be, I want us to be really proactive and I really want to protect our relationship. And so maybe one of the ways we can do that is by, you know, talking to a therapist and a couple therapists and finding out some of our sticky points and mm-hmm. what we're bringing into parenthood. And, you know, or, you know, if having these conversations, you know, on just the two of you, right? Like that's, that's a beautiful way to start it also talking about things like at the end of the day, like what are each of our values, right? When it comes to this next season of our life and what we want to prioritize. Um, Talking a little bit about, you know, boundaries and, you know, family, extended family, you know, great place to start is like, yeah, who's, who's going to be there when the baby's born and what's, what are those visits going to look like afterwards Uh and where are we going to spend the holidays you know, talking about things like, all right, let's just take a specific example, like food. Like when, 
when a child asks for a cookie or before dinner, what are both of our philosophies on that? Right. Like just beginning to have those conversations. And, you know, if you're not, if you're past that season and you're in the trenches, here's, here's actually the reframe I want to offer you. You already have the data of like what the sticky points are going to be. Right. So you're not having these like, well, what if conversations be like, here it is, right? Like, how are we going to tackle this? Right. Yeah. Like we are co-piloting like this plane together and here's where the turbulence is showing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's really, really helpful, um, to, have some guides when it comes to this. And so I love doing values work with couples where, you know, you can look up, Bernie Brown has a really wonderful like list of values. You can both look up a list of values, spend some time separately identifying the ones that you prioritize and then come back together and explore where the differences are, how you define these values, why you're prioritizing these values And I think that then translating these values into the decisions that we make, right? Because at the end of the day, if my husband and I disagree on something, but we've, we've already, we've had the conversations where I can understand why this is important to Mm -hmm. him. Like, you know, just getting out of the house, right? Like he, like he might want to be like rushing us out. Whereas I'm like, wait, we need to like get all these things together. So we're prepared for once we get to the destination. Right. But if I understand the values that might be really informing his decision to like be on time, whereas I'm prioritizing things to help make sure that we are prepared. Right. Like the, the stuff that's happening in that moment, I, it might be easier for me to, and ideally easier for him to have a more generous interpretation of why we're choosing to prioritize certain things in that moment. Right. And, and then from there, maybe open up dialogue for, okay, next time, like we need to start getting ready earlier or like, Hey babe, I need your help to make Mm -hmm. sure that we're more prepared. You know, um, you've said it twice, generous interpretation. And I just want to highlight this, that when we first start dating, we give our partners that generous interpretation. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, likely within the honeymoon stage, right? You're like, oh, right. They're late because they got caught up at work. Of course, right? I understand. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, said it this way. And we just, we do that early on. And then we lose that, mm-hmm. particularly when we're in the trenches and we're sleep yeah. deprived and all the things. Yeah. So I think that is so important. And part of that. Um, a hot topic in, in my community is our partner's moods impacting us. Mm-hmm. And that too is kind of wrapping it in there in the sense of separating that what's happening with your partner is not about you. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is this piece in our luggage, right? Where we can per- easily personalize and internalize things. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly when, and I love your example there, Cassidy, where it's like, we're trying to get out the door and you're rushing us. You're not thinking about me. Why? Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a reason why our partners do those things often Mm -hmm. not about us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, generous interpretation is something I, um, the wording of it that I, I got from my, my friend, Dr. Becky Kennedy. And she talks a lot about that in terms of um, in parenting moments. Right. Mm-hmm. And she also said, how can that translate into turning towards ourselves and our partners? Mm. But I, that was a big shift for me because I, I've gotten really good at giving my children the most generous interpretation, <laughs> but giving it to myself and to my partner was a lot harder. Right. And I think that that's like tapping into 
and being able to give myself a generous interpretation actually became one of the first steps because a lot of times, you know, it was, I was looking at myself as an adult and I was like really hard on myself as a mom. Like, why can't I get this right? And you know, what's wrong with me? And, and that would, that would sometimes project itself onto my, my husband, the other adult in the, in the household, you know, and recognizing that our children deserve the most generous interpretation um, and the compassion that comes with that and like tender approach that comes with that. And my husband and I, like we deserved those things when we were kids too. And at no point did that change that we no longer deserved that. Mm. Right. And so being able to turn towards myself with that same, like that, that same sort of like getting down at my own level that I would with my child. Right. Like, like, yeah, it's okay to feel these things. It makes sense. And, and right. Like, just like, I don't want to get swept up into my kids, like feelings and like absorb all of that and get swept up into, you know, what that their you know, their whirlwind of a tantrum. Mm. And I want to stay like very, you know, secure in like where I am and where they are so I can show up for them. The same goes for with my partner when he comes home and he's really, really grumpy, like being able to be like, okay, these are his, these are his feelings. Here I am, right? Mm. He deserves that generous interpretation. I know how to do that because I give it to myself too. <laughs> right. And, and now I'm able to like a- approach him in like a much more tender way. Um, and, and also, and also in a sturdy way where like, if he's throwing it at me, I can be like, no, not cool. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to receive that. Like, I love you just like I would with my kid, you know, like I love you. It's okay to be sad. It's not okay to do this. Right. Like love can come with boundaries. And, um, yeah, I I think that it's the, 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 the minute my husband and I started to give each other, and I will actually say it to him now, like, Hey babe, I'm really needing a generous interpretation right now. Or like, I will even say to him, like, my most generous interpretation of like where you're at, like with, with what you just said is this, is that, am I right? Like, I got that right. Is it wrong? Is there something else mm-hmm. that's going on? Right. And it's just like, it's almost like this little keyword now for the two of us. That's like, it softens both of yeah. us. Yes. Like he knows that I'm thinking about that, or I know that he's thinking about that and he's trying to give me a generous interpretation. And even just that knowing the effort is there, it softens me. And oftentimes in that softening is where like the vulnerability has a little bit more room to show up. To show up, to create that connection. I I talked about the healthy boundaries in our relationship and being able to have a limit with our partners in the same loving way that we would with our children, right? We turn to our children and say, I know cookies are so good and you really want that cookie before bed and I can't let you hit me and let's make a plan of when we can have the cookie, right? We turn to them Mm -hmm. in very gentle, conscious parenting approaches, right? And then we turn to our partner and we're like, what are you looking at? We're not having cookies tonight. (laughs) Put the cookies away, right? And it's like, it it is, you know, and and I love the work that Dr. Becky is doing just in the sense of what we're doing with our children. But as she had said also too, it's because you're teaching us how to do it with ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. And let's translate that into what we're doing with our partners, right? Because when we can offer it to ourselves first, then it's easier to give it to our partners. But we can't just give it to our kids and hope they'll 
um, absorb that, take it in and move forward. Our children need us to yeah. see it modeled between us. Totally. Well, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like a lot of times people will come into therapy because they're like, we don't want to screw up our kids, you know, or I don't want to screw up my kids. And I'm like, you know, whatever got you in the door, but my hope is to get them to a place that that mom or dad or that couple to a place where it's like, oh, like actually we deserve, like we deserve this even outside of our role, like Mm -hmm. of being parents. Right. But yeah, like a lot of times what is motivating to folks initially is, yeah, we, it's, kids learn by what they observe, right? Like not just what we say, like they can sniff out bullshit. If it's like, (laughs) you're telling me to be like kind to myself. And then I see you saying unkind things to yourself or like Mm. driving for perfect. You talk about like my perfect voice and how I, but then I hear you trying to be perfect or like, you know, are you and dad like being really like impatient with each other and like not compassionate towards each other, you know? So, or you and your, you and mom, or you and dad. So it's like, it's, I think it's, um, that could be really motivating for folks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one other resource that I love, um, because I just think we learn oftentimes through like tangible doing of something, you know? And so, uh, Eve Rodsky, her book, Fair Play is great, but she also has a card deck where you can, there's actually, it, it lays out all the different jobs and roles, right. Of running a household and having a family. And that was actually really uh, a big game changer for my husband and I, when we sat down with that card deck and looked at, you know, which things were important to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and then who was doing it now (laughs) and to kind of see, you know, a lot of the invisible load that, uh, I was carrying and also some of the invisible loads that he was carrying. Right. And, finding ways in which we could pass some of this to the other. Um, for me, a big part of that work was like then saying, I'm not going to micromanage or control the way that you do this. Like I'm giving this to you to learn and to shape and here to, here to offer any guidance since I've been doing it for a long time, but like now this is yours, you know, and, um, and, and just that really helped with us just sparking the conversation mm. around sharing the load. But I will say that, you know, we had couples therapy before we went into those conversations just to help us with like communication basics, you know, so that we could engage in these conversations without just getting sucked back into old cycles of, you know, defensiveness mm. um, or criticism or, you know, uh, avoidance. What would be the one thing that you would want the couple in the postpartum throes right now, what would you, what would be the one thing you want them to do? We've already talked about generous interpretation. That's what one's important. But if we could add one more in thinking of the sleep deprived parents, the parents mm-hmm. who are in that transactional time, mm-hmm. um, you know, oftentimes going deep into conflict and wounds is not front and center because we don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah. That, what, that's what, what I, the first thing that comes to my mind when it's like, if you're talking like the sleep deprived, like postpartum, like you're in the trenches, like in that, in that space, it really is about, um, like we need to get, we need, we need sleep. <laughs> like, I think that like for that couple, like when I think about my husband and I, um, what we did differently than for this, our second was we made a plan so that we could both get sleep 
mm-hmm. uh, because I knew that I was, you know, um, had risk factors for anxiety. He had risk factors for depression and nothing was work what was going to work and was going to function without sleep. And so we made a plan for our second that there was going to be, it was going to be his mother-in-law. And so that also engaged in, you know, we had to engage in dialogue just around like how we're going to communicate what we need from the support, right. And be on the same page, be on the same team, right. It was like a nice practice of like, mm-hmm. we're on the same team here together um, and recognizing that we both have a need here. We both need this. Um, and so we actually asked my mother-in-law to come a couple nights during the week. She would spend the night uh, while we both, you know, um, got sleep, earplugs in, eye mask on, separate rooms, um, so that we could actually get sleep so that we could have more of that capacity the next day to communicate with each other more effectively, to mm-hmm. pick up on baby's cues, to um, to be pro- proactive uh, against, you know, PPA and PPD for us. And, and, you know, it's not always possible to have somebody actually come in the home. And so then with our third, with COVID, we didn't have that option. And so in that case, it was us having conversations about how can we share um, nighttime parenting uh, roles together mm-hmm. so that both of us are getting opportunities to get um, restorative rest. And it's like such a like tangible, logistical, practical like things like wait, sleep, like what's that to do with like the love in your marriage? Honestly, everything at that point, like him, him getting up with her, him like saying, you know, it's your night, go get those earplugs in, like, it's, hey, go, go get that sleep. Like at, in that season of life, that was his, that was our ways of like showing affection <laughs> and like love mm-hmm. towards each other. Um, wrapping up in that, in my comforter, knowing that like I had the next like four hours even just without needing to be needed, right? Like he's got this. Mm. It was, it felt like love in that season of our life, you know? Um, I love that you prioritize sleep though, that it's, it's this foundational piece that Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people will continue to justify and push off and say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And that can really help to protect you moving forward. Yeah. And then it was getting, it was, it was allowing ourselves to meet ourselves where we were at in that season. Like we're in the season right now. We're like, it's not going to look like, you know, trips or, you know, necessarily dinner dates or, you know, going out or sex, you know, for in that post, that really early postpartum period, it was not, that was not happening. <laughs> and I think it was about getting creative for us in other ways that we could feel close. And, you know, for me, uh, it was having him brush my hair or like, you know, gently, softly, like rub my back, mm-hmm. um, with him, he loves it when I like step on his back and like help him crack it. (laughs) Um, we love, we, we have a very similar sense of humor. And so watching funny videos, like shoulder to shoulder and just Mm. laughing together. Um, I think that that moment when he walked in and our daughter had literally like, shit had literally hit the fan and she had projectile pooped all over that, you know, (laughs) decorated nursery. (laughs) I think that that moment 
if like both of us had gotten, had been getting a little bit more sleep, if we had been giving each other the most generous interpretation, if we had given our, if we had, you know, the night before he had brushed my hair or I had walked on his back or we, you know, <laughs> took some time to laugh at something together. I think that middle of the night moment, it could have looked a lot different. It could have looked like us laughing. It could have looked like us just like working together as a team or, you know, it could have still looked like him saying something and me snapping back and then like, you know, being able to repair, you know, much more quickly after. So, um, yeah, I think that that's, I think that those are some of the main pieces that I'd want to offer, um, that couple or that person listening right now. I'm so glad that you've been able to share these key pieces today, Cassie. And I want to just thank you for being so human with your story. And, you know, we can often come into these experiences like podcasts and interviews um, from a very expert level and citing the data and the research. And yet what I know is we do heal from stories and from knowing we're not alone in the shit hitting the fan. Um, and then I just think that, you know, these few pieces here that we've talked about today are so helpful. So tell everyone where they can find you, Kesty. Yeah. So I have a private practice, uh, here in California in the U S and can see folks who reside in the state of California. We've got a wonderful group practice with some amazing clinicians and we specialize in working with individuals and couples in that peripartum early parenthood season of life. And you can learn more at our website, www.drcassidymft.com. I'll share the link with you, Tracy, so you can mm-hmm. put it in the show notes. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Cassidy. And if you're looking for a good laugh, uh, right now I'm mostly only showing up on Fridays where I share funny curated TikToks. That <laughs> My favorite I think, day on Friday. <laughs> yeah. I think that our our generation could appreciate um, I also have my podcast holding space where I share conversations like the one we just had. That's great. Thank you, Cassidy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. I think there are so many pieces that Dr. Cassidy and I talk about. And I think one of the things that we can really learn in terms of moving forward in our relationship is to practice dropping our armor. Of course, when Dr. Cassidy and I talk about this, we really are talking about what happens in an emotionally and physically safe relationship. You need that as a foundation before you can drop your armor. But when we do that, when we turn to our partners from a place of vulnerability, we are offering this chance of connection. And that vulnerability really does take away that experience of being lonely throughout this hard, hard season in our life. As we're wrapping up, I want to hear from you. What did you think of today's episode? One of the best ways that you can support the podcast is by clicking the stars if you're listening on iTunes and also leave me a few words. I read every single review and I'm also in my DMs on Instagram at Dr. Tracy D and I love connecting with you and hearing how these episodes resonate with you. So I want to first thank you for tuning in, sharing this episode so that your other friends and loved ones can also feel less alone and also to feel more connected with themselves. All right. I will see you next week with a new podcast episode.
What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.